0: Support from today's show comes from Incorporate. Incorporate is a site where, surprise, you can incorporate a business. Use the link in the show notes, the biggamehunter.us forward slash incorporate. And they are a fairly priced firm. After all, if you're starting a business or you have a friend who's going to start a business or a member of your family that's starting a business, you got to do it the legal way. Incorporate will do it for you. And with that, we'll be back in just one moment. This is No Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2156. I'm Jeff Altman, the day Game Hunter, and welcome to part two of my show, my interview with Ben Tassman, Into the Mind of a Recruiter. Yes, we're going to find out by going inside the mind of a recruiter. Yes, if you watched all the horror movies, you'll recognize this bad imitation I do of Boris Karloff. And we're going to do a, a part two. I go back about uh, 20 seconds or so uh, in the interview that I released yesterday uh, as a way of helping you contextualize where I pick up the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you find it helpful. Again, please leave a helpful honest review in itunes spotify wherever you listen to the show please leave an honest review and we'll be back in one moment probably if it was in a state where you wound up not paying the same tax rate and it was half the taxes that you're you might be a little bit happier right listen to what they have to say. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, wait until you get to their client to test it out. Because they may talk about, we've got this great job. It's phenomenal. Manager's a sweetheart. Everyone loves working there. And then you go onto LinkedIn and you see there've been 20 people who've worked for this person in the last six months. And you suddenly go, mm, okay, they blew smoke at me. I can smell the ball." And, um, you know, even then, I would say, take, take a phone call from the client, check it out, listen, then make a decision because you don't know as much as you think you do, folks.
1: Yeah, no, the other thing that uh, you got to consider is the recruiter, an agency recruiter especially, does not have the authority to hire you but they absolutely have the veto power to make sure that you never get through. And so you have to treat that first encounter with a recruiter as an interview. That is as important, if not more important than the first round, second round interviews you might encounter with the client itself. So don't mistake the recruiter, even though they might be 20 something years old and really not know you know, up from down yet, not have enough life experience to really empathize with your particular situation. You have to treat that like, as important or maybe the most important interview in the process.
0: Every interview is that way. And with the screener, and that's the way I view it on the agency side and the first call with most organizations, the screener is there with like a checklist. Have you done this? Have you done that? Okay, great. What about this? Have you done this yet? And and they're just going through, they don't have the capacity. Most of them don't have the capacity to uh, delve deep. So don't oversell just give them what they want because they want to get on to the next call
1: yeah (laughs) there's five things that's really it they want five things they want you to be able to explain your skills number one you can't explain your skills then you know it's like well if my team and we did all this that's like okay that's great but what did you do right so you have to be able to explain your skills and your skills have to be relevant and match with the job that you're you're applying for right they need to know what your geographic situation is from the location are you able to travel are you willing to travel can you be on site you know whatever the job requires some jobs require you to be on site and if you're not in the right city you know would you be willing to relocate things like that Um, they have to understand what kind of opportunity you're looking for right are you looking for a place where you're going to land and sort of plant some roots and you're going to learn and grow and you're going to try and become part of the organization? Or are you looking to be a recruiter, uh, not a recruiter, a a contractor rather, because, you know, you want that flexibility of being able to do the kind of work and take time off and maybe your lifestyle requires you to be a contractor, that kind of thing. So if they don't understand what kind of opportunities you're looking for, then it's really hard for them to fit you into one. Um, Money, of course, is going to be An important part of the conversation. Another thing people make the mistake of is thinking that in that first conversation with a recruiter, they think that that's just a gauge of what kind of salary are you looking for. And that is, in fact, your salary negotiation. If you're looking for an hourly rate or an an annual rate, in that first conversation, if you're working with an agency recruiter, that is the time to negotiate because once they submit you and once you go through the interview process and they make you an offer, it's all based on the information that the recruiter had from that very first conversation with the screener or whoever. So money, you have to be clear about upfront. And then of course availability. If you can't make yourself available, then forget it. Like if I call you as a recruiter today and you can't make yourself available in the next 48 hours, I'm moving on to the next bunch of candidates, right? Because you're obviously real busy. So even if you have a job, find 30 minutes. If they need you to get onto an interview, make yourself available, cancel something, whatever, call out sick, do what you have to do. If you're actively looking for a job in the marketplace and you're unavailable, then you're not actively looking. You're just window shopping
0: very true. And I want you folks to hear the thing about money, because I know most of you think that you negotiate salary at the very end when they make the offer. It's easier if you deal with some of this stuff at the front end. And even if you use hedge phrases of, you know, I'm looking for a range between such and such and such and such, And it's going to depend upon what I see at the interview, because, you know, I haven't spoken to the hiring manager. don't really know anything more than what you're telling me, you know, haven't met the team, don't really have an idea of what their expectations are, time constraints, budget, that sort of thing. So, you know, I can give you a range and you may hear the lower number. And after I talk to them, I may only want the higher number. So this way you set that a marker for yourself so that they don't simply hear the low number, and start going. Oh, he's willing to take 120, not just simply the 140. <laughs> and zero so in on that number that it would really take a lot for you to go to.
1: Yeah, I would also say uh, in relation to that, um, make sure that your low number is a number that you're willing to accept, because even after you go through the entire interview process. You may find that it's a great opportunity. It's a great job, great people, great situation, and you told them, "Oh, I need to be between 120 and 130," and they came back to you at 120. You, you've got to be willing to accept that low number, right? So, don't price yourself out of the market, right? If the if the job realistically pays in that 120 range, don't come in at looking for 210, right? That's not going to get you there, right? So, you got to be realistic. You got to be at least within the right target, but. But once you're kind of zeroed in on the right target you find out that, yep, I'm in the right ballpark, then you have to be willing to make the move, right? And, and accept that, okay, this is, especially for a contract role, right? There's really almost no negotiation when you're talking to contract recruiters and contract hiring managers, right? They're, they're just looking to put butts in seats and they have budgets. And it's a commoditized function, even though we're not talking about commodities, we're talking about human beings and what have you. But the function has become a supply chain management exercise in the world of talent workforce, right? And so that's the reality, right? And that's, I mean, it might be terrible, but it's the truth. So you have to, you have to sort of know. You're a
0: contractor, you know, the game, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you're there. You know, you're doing it for money, just like That's other it, you're professions a mercenary, do. that's it, and that's it,
1: and they might offer you a full-time job, but they might not, and you know, that's fine. It, the thing is that contracting is great because it goes both ways, right? You could take the job and find out three, three weeks in that you really hate it, that the work is terrible, your boss is terrible, your team is terrible, you could leave you don't have to give a whole bunch of notice. There's no sense of burning bridges. It's just, I was a contractor. Great. That's all the explanation you need to the next agency, you know? So it's one of those things. Contracting has its flexibility, but it works both ways, right?
0: Exactly right. And for the contractor, you know, what should they be looking for when they're looking for the next organization?
1: That really all depends on what you want. Right. And you have to really have a clear sense of who you are. Right. It's uh, one of those things. If you don't know, if you can't come to terms with your own strengths and weaknesses, you don't know really if you're not comfortable in your own skin, so to speak, then it's really hard to figure out what you want. Right. And if you can't articulate what you want, then it's really even more difficult for recruiters, especially busy recruiters to help you find it, right? Help you find what if you don't know. So you have to be clear, right? And that's all part of making a recruiter's job easier is you have to have clarity about what you're looking for. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, I appreciate you sharing this opportunity with me. It's not what I'm looking for, even if it's close, right? It's one of those things you have to have some integrity in your search, right? That kind of thing. So um I I don't know. Does that answer your question?
0: You you did fine with that one. And I want to come back to the money one because, you know, folks, I'll just give you a sense of how I used to play with salary in conversations with people. So I'm looking between 120 and 140. So if I came in at the the client came in at 115, would you turn it down? At which point then uh, you hear the vacillation. Absolutely. And they say, okay, I I do it for 115. Great. How about 110? No, definitely. Well, you know, when I hear certainty, I know that's the number not to bother with. But when they start to hem and haw about the 115, suddenly, okay, they probably do it at that because they haven't definitively said no. Remember, recruiters are salespeople, they're there to try and do the deal, make it easy. Make it easy for them to know what the numbers are, what the quality of the assignment of the job is that you're looking for, all the minutia. And if they get 70% of it, you'll probably be thrilled. Absolutely. And there's all kinds
1: of other math games that are going on in the background too, right? So agencies, sometimes they work on a percentage markup and sometimes they work on a bill rate. And if you're working on a markup, then it's in the recruiter's best interest to pay you as much as they possibly can, because then they mark it up and they get a bigger margin. If they're paying you on a bill rate scenario, then it's their job to try and drive your rate down as far as possible so that they can maximize their margins on the bill rate that they have to work with. So. Again, if you don't know to ask the question whether or not this client is on a bill rate or a markup, then you don't know what the motivations of your recruiter are, then you can't help guide your recruiter to your destination of success, right? So if you can understand that those are the kinds of mechanisms that are motivating the recruiters to decide whether or not they're gonna pay you that 120 or 115 or recommend 110 and see maybe you're not the best candidate in the mix, but at 110, you're a good investment. And so they've got another candidate at 130 or 135 who's over. So now they've got you and a overpriced person who's the better investment. Now they're selling you against somebody else and they don't care which one of you gets the job. They just know that one of you's gonna. And so there's those kinds of shell games happening that you're not even aware. You don't even know that that's happening around your profile, right?
0: So true. What are the things in the time that we have left? What are the things that should they know that that they probably don't?
1: Golly, I could go on for this. I could go on all day about this kind of stuff because it's just kind of, it's unbelievable what people think. They they feel like things should just work better. And the reality is, is that uh, the recruiting industry as a, again, as a whole, as an industry, there are some elements of it that are automated. We're getting smarter and better with technology. Of course, the job boards, and there's some AI functions and things like that, but it's still very much a human engaged kind of in this business right so there's a lot of touch there's a lot of individual people that are keeping spreadsheets and doing data entry and that are managing workflow and all of this kind of stuff that's going on right and i think that if if you as a candidate can recognize that it's really a big business and when i say it's a big business um To kind of put it in perspective, the the owner, founder of Aerotech Tech Systems owns the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, I mean, that's a big, big industry. There are companies out there that are hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue. And they're huge, humongous organizations, gigantic operations, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of employees. And so you have to know that when you put your resume out onto the job boards, you know, Dice and Monster and LinkedIn and all of those kinds of things, that that's what you're going to get. You're going to get bombarded with big, giant corporate America recruiting agencies. I think that still in today's world, even with all of the technology, or maybe because of all of the technology, still by far, the best way to land your next job is most likely through your existing network. And using agencies and using recruiters can be very helpful. But there's also a sense of if you're not also working your own network and sort of socializing your situation with the people that you've already done business with, or that You know, your coworkers with in the past and things like that, then it's going to be hard to uncover those opportunities before they hit the market. So it's, it's again, I I know I talked about like people think their recruiter is a lot like their real estate agent. And at the same time, they don't think of the job search as the same as a house hunting. So you should, you should be in touch with the recruiters because they're the ones that have access to all the jobs. Or a lot of the jobs, but you should also be working your own network, you should be trying to figure out who knows who, how can you get in front of somebody, how can you present yourself in a way that expresses some value that somebody's going to say, hey, I don't have a position, but I might create one, you know, because you provide some kind of value.
0: Cut the line wherever possible, folks. If you throw your resume into the ocean and hope that one fisherman is going to throw a line out and catch you versus all the other fish in the ocean, you're going to be hungry for a while, right? But if you're cutting the line and getting introductions from people, which is the best of all, not that you're hearing about a job from someone, but someone's actually introducing you. You know, it's social proof. It's qualitative proof that you can fit this organization. Obviously, you have to substantiate it for someone, but it's a lot better than you know, waiting for the fishermen to come and throw out a line and have all the fish try and jump on it because only one of you is going to get on that hook. This has been fun. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do, Ben? Uh, well, I'm really easy
1: to find on LinkedIn. You can just uh, just look me up, Ben Passman, just like the man who threw the pass. Um, you'll see um, I can uh, I, I have a picture of myself standing on a dock in New York City. So that's the picture of me. If you're if you find multiple Ben Passmans, because I think there are some actually, but um, I'm really easy to find uh, right now. If you want to go ahead and just book some time on my calendar, I've got a link on my LinkedIn. I will spend some time with you, go through your resume with you, give you some suggestions. You can take it or leave it. Do what you what you like, and um, I'm willing to extend that out. It's just a free service. I'll do a resume review. If I can't help you immediately or directly, then I can uh, certainly get you in touch with some folks that I know that might be um, more aligned to your skill set or your field of interest or your geography or or all of those things, right?
0: Super, Ben. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.
0: You're welcome. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. As you know, I'm Jeff Alton, The Big Game Hunter. If you're interested in one-on-one coaching throughout your job search or with hiring more effectively, reach out to me. Uh, my email address is jeffaltman at thebiggamehunter.us. You can also schedule time at my website. Again, thebiggamehunter.us. There's a lot in the blog to help you, but you know, it's like 11,000 posts and it's not customized for you. So in my coaching, I try and take all that information and kind of consolidate it in a way that makes sense for you. Also, I'll mention one of the new things I've introduced is mock interviewing online, 24-7, 365. If you go to the biggamehunter.us forward slash mock, Online QA. I come back and review your answers afterwards. It's video recorded. It is a breeze and very inexpensive. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hire. Hope you have a great day. And most importantly, be great. Take care. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few things I can do to help you with your job search beyond simply being your coach. First of all, I've got a new book out called The Right Answers to Tough Interview Questions. It is like a cookbook with answers to tons of interview questions that you're going to be asked on interviews. And if you pair it up with my other new book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, they are a a terrific pair of books to help you with interviewing. In addition, a new service where you can practice mock interviews. If you go to TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash mock, I've got a service there very inexpensive like $99 where we have mock interviews set up. I'm going to be adding more to it very soon. But you can record your answers to them. And then I can critique them and help you perform better on them. You probably have noticed my show notes are pretty thorough with products and services that can help you with your search. And connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Lastly, my website has a ton of great information. That's TheBigGameHunter.us. Now, if you're not ready to go there, Go through the blog. Put the address in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Altman. So this way, when you're ready to go, you have a way of getting back to my website. Hope you have a terrific day and, most importantly, be great! (laughs)